got to ask the teenagers over here, have you already given your parents your list of what you want for Christmas? Have you? Our son, uh, when he was your age, would always he knew this is how much we were going to spend at Christmas. And so he would always uh, give us a list of what he wanted. And he had researched it, how much it cost, and got it down to the exact penny, maximizing what he could get for the amount we said we were going to spend. Okay? Smart, smart guy. Okay? Maximize it. We'll ask you, how many of you got your shopping done? I'm going to ask a different question. How many of you, like me, got up early and hit the mall or the department stores on Black Friday? Now, I know I'm not the only weird one. You know, spending is a big part of Christmas in America. We... um, Buy a lot of gifts, give them to people. A lot of shopping anymore is done online. In fact, um, Monisa did some research and she she ordered and is having sent over to Italy for our grandson Liam, the Thomas the Train table. And I really got to give her a pat on the back because she got a great deal on that baby. I mean, a great deal. How many of you are buying anything online or plan to buy anything online for Christmas this year? Raise your hand. Isn't that a great way to shop? No crowds. You can sit there in your PJs and do it, drinking hot chocolate. Don't have to get out in the cold or the rain. It's just a, a wonderful thing. And, and, and we like giving gifts at Christmas to people we care about. When I was a, a little kid back in the mid-60s, Mom gave me something for Christmas, and it's one of my favorite Christmas memories from childhood. She gave me a, a Hank Williams album. Now... Several questions for you all. Do you even know who Hank Williams is? No. You poor deprived kids. Do you know what an album is? Not a picture album. Have you ever seen one of these in person? There's nothing like vinyl. Y'all ever seen one of those? Do you know what this is? uh, Some of you are... You just don't want to, yeah. This one doesn't have any scratches on it either. It's still in pretty good condition. I, when I was at about five years old in 1963, the movie about Hank Williams' life came out called Your Cheating Heart. And I saw that. And as a kid, I just fell in love with his music. And I've liked Hank Williams ever since. Y'all need to check it out. It will enrich your life. He sings better than Katy Perry. <laughs> Spending's a big part of what we do at Christmas. But you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Giving gifts to people we care about, that's a good thing. Being generous so that it makes a difference in people's lives and in this world, that's a, that's a good thing. And do you know where it originates? With God. Because the very first giver was God. The very first person to give anything was God. He is the origin, the originator, if you will, of of generosity. Perhaps the best known verse in all the Bible is John 3.16. Think about what it says. God so loved the world that he did what? Again, God so loved the world that he 
Say it loudly. What? Again. Louder. What? God is the author of generosity. God is the author of giving and not just taking. The very fact that God created us is an act of generosity because God didn't need it, did not need us, did not need the universe, and yet in generosity God gave by creating us. Just think about that for a moment. And so giving is a good thing, giving of ourselves and giving of, of, of what we have. And so over the next three weeks in this brief sermon series, we're going to learn some about giving. And not just giving to others, but also giving to God. And when you hear a preacher use the word giving, your first thought is money. And money is one of the things we give God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But there are so many other things we also give God. Every, everything we, we do is to be an act of service. It's a, a gift of love and gratitude to God, serving God through giving money, serving God through using our skills to make a difference, our talents to help people, serving God by, by giving of our time. And, and, and it all begins with us giving ourselves to Him, giving God my life, giving God my heart. And once I've given God my life and I've given Him my heart, giving Him my time and giving Him my talents and skills, giving Him my money, giving Him my intellect, giving Him me and everything that's a part of me. It's, it's a piece of cake once I've, I've given God my heart and I've given Him my life and I've given Him me because all the other things I give God just grow out of that. So I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Matthew chapter 2. We're, we're going to spend these three weeks looking at the story of the, of the Magi, the wise men who came to Jesus that first Christmas. Matthew chapter 2, and I want us to read together beginning with verse 1. The Bible tells us, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. The citizens of the city were anxious because Herod could be a vicious king. And if he was upset, they didn't know what he might do. So they were worried. They never wanted the king to be upset. Verse 4. Herod, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, the religious leaders of Hebrew, uh, of the Hebrews of, of Judaism who would know the Old Testament teachings and so on, he got them together and he, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, here's what the Old Testament teaches. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way. The star which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, 
they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. They fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. They came to Jesus as an infant, and they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for royalty because Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Frankincense, a perfume, if you will, that by some people was burned as an incense in worship because he's God, the creator of the universe and worthy of our worship. Myrrh, an ointment that was used to prepare a body for burial because Jesus was born at Christmas to die for you, for me, to pay the penalty for our sins. He said that's the reason he came into this world. And so in giving these gifts, the wise men were identifying who Christ was. They understood more about him than most people did that first Christmas. And what they presented to him were gifts from their own country. They gave him what they had. And the truth is, I can't give God anything except me and those things that are a part of my life. You can't give God anything except yourself and all the things that are a part of your life. And the reason that's important is sometimes we compare ourselves to other people and we use what they have. We use their skills. We use their talent. We use their possessions and as an excuse to not give God ourselves and not give God who we are and what we have because we say, I can't do what they can do. Why should I even try? I don't have the resources they have. Why should I give? Because if I was as talented as that person or I had as much as that person or I was as smart as that person, then I would. And God says to you and me, stop making those kind of excuses. Stop it. You are who you are. You have skills. You have talents. You have your life. You have your ability to make a difference in this world. You have your heart. You have your resources. You have your money. You have you and who you are. Take that and bring it to God. Stop worrying about what everybody else has and what you don't have and how you compare and letting that be the reason you don't do anything. Take yourself and all that's a part of you and bring that to the King of Kings. We're going to talk about bringing things to Jesus at Christmas, about giving him gifts at Christmas. And I love the image of these men coming to the house where Jesus was. Now, the wise men did not show up, just a little bit of Bible study. They did not show up the same night as the shepherds. When the shepherds arrived, Jesus was in the manger. When the wise men, the magi, came, Jesus was already in a house. He was possibly a few weeks, a few months, even up to 18 to 24 months old. We don't know. 
because they had been following this star, and Herod asked how long they had been following it when it first appeared. And later in this chapter, he murdered all the children in that area, two years old, the, 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 the male boys, two years and younger. But Jesus is still a baby. And they come to the house, and when they see him, they fall on their face. They fall on the ground, and they worship him. When, when was the last time you lay on your face before God? When, when was the last time you just got down, prostrate, before Almighty God, before a holy God, before the King of the universe. When, when was the last time you lay flat on your face before God and said, God, you are God and I'm not. God, you are worthy of my worship. God, you are perfect. You are King. I give you all of me. I surrender me. I surrender everything that's a part of me. God, I'm on my face before you and I give it all to you. When was the last time you did that? So I, I want to suggest this morning that our struggle to, to, to give our time and our struggle to use our talents to serve and, and our struggle to give our money and our struggle to trust indicates that, that we struggle to get on our face before God because when you just surrender it all to Him, your total being, your total heart, and everything in your life, the other parts of you just flow with it. To be truly submissive, to be truly humble. The greatest gift you could give Jesus this year at Christmas is not some ornament on your tree or placard you put on your office that says Jesus is the reason for the season. Nothing wrong with that. But that's easy to do. Getting on your face before God and saying, God, all of me. All of me, all of me, and all that's a part of who I am. God, that's yours. That's my gift to you. That's the big issue of life. And so in this sermon series, these three weeks, each sermon is going to follow a very similar pattern. Every week, each, each of these three weeks, we're going to look at one specific thing we can bring to Jesus, one specific thing we can give him. And I'll tell you up front, since today is Prove the Tithe Day, I'm going to mention money real quickly. That's one of the things we can bring. Next week, we'll look at something else you can give Jesus, bring to Jesus. And in the third week, something totally different you can bring to Jesus. Each week, we're going to look at a different motivation or reason for bringing things to Jesus. Each Sunday, we're going to look at a different benefit we receive because we do this. Now, the benefits we receive is not our primary motivation. But when you bring things to Christ, you are blessed by it. You do benefit from it. So we're going to look at a different benefit that comes to us each week. Okay? And then each Sunday, we're going to look at one different, one different way what you bring to Jesus, whatever it is, makes a difference. So you're going to learn three ways bringing things to Jesus make a difference. You're going to learn three different reasons or motivations for bringing things to Jesus. You're going to learn three different benefits that will come to you because you bring things to Jesus. And we're going to look at three different things you can bring to him. That's, that's the pattern we're going to follow each of these Sundays. And as I said, because today is Prove the Tithe Sunday, and to kind of wrap up what I did in November, we're going to talk about bringing 
money. Now, money is a big part not only of our life, but of Christmas. Over the past decade, the average American has fluctuated a little bit up and down. But over the past decade, the average American spends between $800 and $1,000 buying Christmas gifts. That's, that's the average. That means that half of Americans spend less than $800 to $1,000 a year on Christmas gifts, and half of Americans spend more than. And I would say in this room, we're at least split down the middle like that, if not erring to the side of spending more at Christmas. That means that at least half of us, a minimum of half of us, are going to spend $1,000 on Christmas gifts this year. Half of us are going to spend less than $1,000. There's no way to say money is not part of Christmas in America. And I would say for practically each of us in this room, there's no way to say money is not part of our Christmas celebration. Money is also part of our bringing things to Christ. I've said before, I'll say it again, the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one attached to your wallet because how you feel about your money speaks volumes about what you trust to take care of you and how easy it is for you to lay flat on your face before God and say, God, I trust you completely and everything in me belongs to you. In our culture, it would be different in different cultures, but in our culture, how we feel about money says a lot about how we feel about so many things, including God and our trust in Him. And so money is one of the things we bring. Now let me share with you a reason, a motivation for us bringing our gifts to Jesus, whether it's money or service or your skills or your intellect or your time or any of a dozen other things I can mention. We're going to look at a different motivation or reason each week, but here's the one I want to begin with. One reason we bring, everything we bring to him is love. And gratitude is part of love. So I'm going to say love and gratitude. Love is the primary reason we give gifts to the people in our lives. The reason parents will work hard to have money to buy gifts for kids is love. Love motivates us. Listen, how, how, I don't know how to love people. I don't know how to love my family and, and not give to them. I don't know how to love my family and not sacrifice for them. I don't know how to love someone in my life and it's just take, 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 me, 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 me. Love means the other person. Well, isn't that also true in our walk with God? What, is it, what does it say if our relationship with Jesus is just take, 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 take me, give me, give me, give me, do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me? That's not really a relationship. And Christianity is not about a religion. It is about a relationship between us and our Savior whom we love because he first loved us. Love, love is, is, is blessing. I, um, we, we spent Thanksgiving at the beach this year and, um, we had planned for our daughter Jacqueline, her husband and Evan and our grandson Liam to be with us, but the Air Force did what they have the authority to do and they changed his deployment schedule. And so rather than being with us for Thanksgiving and Christmas, 
they're back in Italy. And there's nothing we could do about it, nothing they could do about it. So we had some extra rooms and space at the beach. Our daughter-in-law, Sarah, is from Long Island. And for all you Southerners, that means our son married a Yankee. Okay? She hasn't been able to spend Thanksgiving with her family in a few years, and she's missing them. We had the extra space, so let's have her family spend Thanksgiving with us at the beach. So her parents, her brother, and his new bride spent Thanksgiving with us at the beach. That meant that I spent several days in a house with a bunch of Yankees. Now, for all of you who are Yankees, I'm from Kentucky. We have a split personality. We're schizophrenic. Kentucky was a border state. And uh, so we're we're kind of influenced by the north and the south, the Yankees and whatever you call southern rebels or whatever. We've got a little bit of all that in us. And I kind of like that mix, to be honest with you. So we enjoyed getting to be with them and deepen our relationship with Sarah's family. But here's my favorite my favorite picture from those days at the beach for Thanksgiving. It's our daughter-in-law. Saturday night with the TV on while we're watching all these football games. Our daughter-in-law sitting on a couch for over an hour between her mom and dad. That's my favorite picture of our time at, time at Thanksgiving. You get that? Now, why do you do stuff like that? Because you care about people, right? Well, what do you do when you care about Jesus? What what do you do when you love Jesus? Is it just me, me, get, take, me? Where's the love? One of the verses that best describes Christmas is found not in the Gospels that tell the birth story, but in the book of Romans, Paul's most theological writing in the New Testament. In chapter 5 where he said, God showed his love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is God's expression of love, God's gift of love. To us, his death on the cross, purchasing our freedom from sin and from hell and from the grave is God's gift of love. And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The things that that we bring to Jesus, we bring because we love him. And gratitude is part of that. We're so thankful. You, You and I are thankful for the people who are in our lives. We are to be thankful for Jesus and all that he's done for us and continues doing for us. And we express that. We express that. But let me, let me mention how bringing ourselves and the things that are part of our life, bringing things to Jesus benefits us. And we're going to look at a different different way each week. But today, here's what I want to point out. When we bring things to Jesus, it blesses us because you and I are allowed the privilege of being part of something 
truly important, something bigger than ourselves. You know, um, every gift that you purchase and wrap will eventually fall apart, wear out, be discarded. I've lost weight, so I've been buying a lot of new clothes. My Christmas shopping, a lot of it this year was for me. I needed a bunch of clothes because my old stuff just doesn't fit anymore. But all the new clothes I've purchased will eventually wear out. Some of it will go out of style, right? I still have one of those really wide neckties. Y'all remember those really wide ties? Thank God you don't have the memory of them. They were ugly. But there was a time when they were real popular and, and, and that tie would go, it'd be that wide. You have a hard time believing that, don't you? But, but it's, am I telling the truth? It'll go out of style. It'll wear out. Every new house built in 2013 will ultimately be an old house in need of repair. In time, in decades, it will be in a neighborhood that no longer is new and has gone through probably multiple transitions. Because every old neighborhood in Rock Hill once was brand spanking new. Every old dilapidated house in Rock Hill, there was a time, there was a day when it was brand new and shiny. And so everything you and I spend money on like that wears out. It becomes less relevant. It's discarded. But there are some things that are bigger than this stuff that that, that last, that that make a difference, that, that counts for something so significant. The, the Magi who came to Jesus knew they were part of something special. They were astronomers, if you will, who studied the stars, and they knew that one star they spotted was different. But they also had studied the Hebrew Scripture, the Old Testament, because in verse 2 of Matthew, when they came to Jesus, they they came to King Herod, they, they said to the king, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They knew that star signified the birth of a king among the Jewish people. And they said, this is a quote, we have seen his star, which means they knew the passage in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament that said the future ruler of Judaism would have his own star. So they knew they were part of something special, something unique. And let me ask you, what's what's more unique than being part of what God is doing in this world, what God is doing in someone's life. Some of that, so, so, so much of that is life-changing. So much of that impacts the quality of someone's existence. So much of that lasts forever because when someone comes to faith in Christ, that's not just something for a moment or a season. That's everlasting life. And by the way, one thing I failed to mention Each Sunday, we're going to uh, highlight a different ministry in this church. Brother Jim, come on up. 
This morning, I want to take a moment and highlight our media ministry. Now, that's the guys. You see some of them, like the dude behind that camera back there. Wave. Everybody look and wave at him. Okay? Up at the top, they got the those up there on the soundboard and lighting and projection. Wave up there at the top. Yeah, I'll wave at them. Now, there's a room you can't see behind that wall over there. We call it the dungeon. And there's guys and gals in there working robotic cameras and editing equipment and all that kind of stuff. And Brother Jim Clark here is part of our media ministry. How you doing, brother? Doing good. Doing good. Thanks for sharing with us today. Let's, let's start. Just tell everybody exactly what you do. Typical Sundays, I'm either running the floor camera right there. I could be back in the uh, the inner sanctum or the dungeon, as the pastor calls it, running one of the robotic cameras. And just a basic question, why do you do that? To be able to give something back, as simple as it is, um, a lot of what we do, of course, is for you know what you see every Sunday morning here. But it's really for the folks that watch it on TV, our shut-ins, it's just our way, again, of, you know, God has blessed us and gives us an opportunity to give back. Do you enjoy that? Very much so. Why? I think we all have a need to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And for me, with this church, the media ministry gives me that, that feeling that I need. Do you think it makes a difference in their lives? Yes, I do. Why do you think that? Because I think when they see, you know what we put out, that they can still be a part of this church family, those that can no longer be here with us on Sundays. And, you know, you never know who is watching and hearing what we do. And if one person gets to know Christ because of it, then, you know, wow, what a blessing. Well, what was it that uh, drew you to the media ministry in the first place? Yeah, I'm always been interested with, you know, the cameras and production and stuff. And about three years ago, David Sloan, he and I were talking about it, and he asked, invited me to come up into the inner sanctum, the dungeon one Sunday, and watched. And when I saw everything that was going on, I knew, wow, this is something I want to be part of. All right. Now, we've always got room for more volunteers, right? Oh, yes, sir. All right. But do you have to have some really special skills? To do it. If I can do it, I promise you anyone can do it. <laughs> and we'll provide some training, right? Oh, yes, sir. Okay. We will. Well, now, you, you work primarily on camera, either floor camera, robotic cameras. Mm-hmm. What are some other ministry opportunities, ways people serve in this ministry? Well, you know, at any given Sunday, there are eight or ten folks up top uh, for everything from pre- and post-production. We have editing, the, the lighting systems, and I can assure you this new lighting system uh, – takes a lot of attention. We have the sound guys up there. There's there's just a lot of different things that go in to what the final thing winds up on TV. And by the way, if you're if you have any interest in knowing more about this ministry, you don't you're not committing to, to do it, but you want to shadow. We're going to give you an opportunity in January to shadow people for a month and just learn about it. If you have interest in that, um, in your bulletin in your program there's information on how to let us know that one on your welcome card you can just check it or there's an email address in there and uh, steve and others from the team will be in touch with you to, to just get you connected let you start learning about it but 
Hey, family, would you join me both for Jim, those who are visible and those who are back in the hidden space? Let's give them a standing ovation. They hear the criticism, the complaints. Let's give them a standing ovation this morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Now, you know, I said there's nothing more significant than being part of what God is doing to, to change lives and touch lives. Later, listen, later this week, later this week, I'm going to be officiating at a wedding of a couple who've experienced divorce. They divorced each other. God's done a work, and they're going to get married again. Did you catch that? Huh? To each other. Okay? A second time. I'm looking forward to that. Now you tell me what you can put in this that's more significant and meaningful than what I just told you I'm going to be doing later this week. Hmm? See, what you bring to Jesus, and sometimes we get to see it like that, and other times... We, we, we don't know about it, but it's just as real. Just as real. Well, let me wrap this up because I'm out of time. Let me mention a, a difference that it makes. And I, I sort of did already, but let me just talk about that a little bit more. It, one big difference is when we bring things to Jesus, it makes a difference in the kingdom of God, both locally and globally. Please, don't underestimate the importance of what happens every single week in this building. Sometimes we think that what happens here doesn't really matter. It's just the stuff we do outside that's really important. No, 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 no. Listen, what happens here is foundational to everything that we do. Do do you benefit any because you, you are in worship? Does that help you spiritually and help you in your life in any way at all? Do you think the children that are downstairs right now and they're learning and, 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 and they're with some adults who are loving on them in Jesus' name and they're do you are, are they benefiting any at all from that? Is that making any difference in their life and is it going to put anything in them they're going to carry with them for the rest of their life? If we have children in a children's choir on Wednesday night and they're learning some songs, and, and, and they're having a good experience at church, do you think any of those tunes are going to stay with them 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road? Do you think any of those impressions are going to make a difference in how they view life? I was talking to Charlotte down here before the service started, and every Wednesday night we have New Path. We've been doing that 25 years, I don't know, a long time. And there's people all over this region and now people around this country who've healed from the trauma of divorce because of that ministry. And and, and there's a lot of them, by the way, who didn't jump into another bad situation because they learned some things through that ministry. By the way, there's a few of them here today that God put together in that ministry after they healed. Does that matter? 
That happens in this building every week. Does that matter? So stop saying that the things that happen here don't matter. They matter a lot, and they matter for quality of life, and they matter for eternity. But there's also a lot of stuff that happens outside, beyond beyond this place, because of the through the ministries that this church does, and the ministries that many of you, because of the spiritual development that's taking place in your life as a part of this family of faith, the ministries that you render out there in the community, in secular places and in religious volunteer places, all of that stuff, and people are being touched by it. And, and by the way, none of this, none of it, none of it would be possible without the generosity of God's people who trust him enough to give and give generously. I mean, how do you think we pay for all this stuff? Hmm? How do you think we pay for this campus where all this stuff happens? But globally, earlier this week I I got a text message from Elliot Sneed, who's planning that church in Rochester, New York, the third largest city in the state of New York, 10 to 12% of the people in that city are, are believers. 88 to 90% lost. And he's planting a new church. And every Sunday when you give, and every time you give to this mission offering, you are helping him be there doing what he's doing. I got an email earlier this week from uh, Keith and Michelle Thompson, who were part of this church that are now missionaries in Asia and India. And and that's a country with a caste system for the most part. And, And you are identified by the, the, the group that you're born into, the caste, the level that you're born into, and there's not a whole lot you can do to change it during your lifetime for the average person. Especially if you're born into a poor circumstance. And about the only hope of deliverance is to eventually die and hope that you are reincarnated into a better existence in the future in Hinduism. There's a practice that's been around for about 5,000 years in Hinduism that was outlawed by the government about 30 years ago but still is practiced underground by a lot of people. And it's the the practice of parents taking baby girls and dedicating them to a Hindu goddess in which they become temple prostitutes. Because girls can't bring as much financial support to the family in that caste system as boys. Especially if you're in a poor, poor family. And so when these little girls become about 12 years old, they begin practicing temple prostitution as a way of supporting the family. One woman who is a former temple prostitute, here's what she said. She's been delivered from that life now. But she said, our parents gave us birth and threw us on the street. Men come and use us, finish their job and go. One of our missionaries said, their lives have been ruined and they feel like trash that's just been used over and over again and just discarded. They need to know the love of Christ. And the only way that they're going to have that is if we go 
and tell them. And by the way, you're giving to this world mission offering, and every Sunday when you give your tithe to, the, to this church, to the budget, a percentage of every dollar given goes to support our cooperative efforts as Baptists around the world, including supporting over 5,000 missionaries. And so whether it's Keith or Michelle or anyone else who's serving around this world, whatever they do, you are helping make possible every time you give. And I could spend hours just telling you specific after specific after example after example of the things you're helping support. Now let me ask you, how does that compare to a beautifully wrapped package? I'm not arguing against packages. I'm buying some and I want some. I'll close with this. I had an elderly member after the first service he told me that uh, every year he and his wife set aside about 800 to to $1,000 for Christmas. He said this year they're hoping to spend about 1200 It's just a spontaneous conversation happened back then. He said, but every year, whatever they spend on that, they write a check to the church for equal to that extra. It's always been my philosophy. I'm going to give as much to our mission offering as I spend on Christmas gifts. See, to me, that says a whole lot more about Jesus being the reason for the season than some ornament on a Christmas tree. That's just me, though. What are you, what are you bringing? What are you, what are you bringing to Jesus? He's going to bless you. There are going to be many benefits. You get to be part of something special. But, but here's my question: What is Jesus saying to you right now that He wants you to bring? What, what are you bringing? What are you going to bring to him? What are you going to give him to say, I love you, and I'm thankful, I'm grateful? What are you going to bring? Let's stand. And as we sing this song, you're invited to make decisions for Christ. Now listen, if God is speaking to you about something he wants you to bring, you need to say to him right now, Jesus, I hear you. I hear you, and I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. I invite you to come and kneel here at the front or sit on one of these chairs, kneel on the steps and pray. Pray. I'm inviting you to join First Baptist Church right now. Come and tell one of these pastors at the front, I want to join this church. I'm inviting you to come to one of these pastors and say, I'm a believer, but I need to be baptized. And I want to be baptized. I'm inviting you to say, what I'm bringing to Jesus is me because I've never given me to Him. I've never been saved. And I want to give me to Jesus this morning. So as Jamie and Steve stand here at the front, you come as the singer.